0: Treaty ratifications take time, I had said. And that is true. But really, once the justification is there, and couples with the impulse to have, then things... happen, you could say. And by moving in quickly, the U.S. could be sure that Spain would hold true to their word, or their losses, to get more specific. It was really only a couple of months between the victory in Iloilo City, and the day U.S. forces came for it. In those months, U.S. forces were fortifying themselves and preparing for battle against the quote, insurgents. For the Filipinos of the city loyal to their brethren, there was a brief celebration, and then a waiting period. And for Teresa Magbanwa, well, she held some sort of position in Iloilo City. A nondescript position, I would add. She was still in the army, yes, and of course she was ready to fight, though there was, perhaps, some confusion as to what exactly she was doing. She commanded troops in battle, That part could not be denied, but other details are a bit unclear. By some accounts, she was a Brigadier General. After all, how could one command troops without that official status through which to do so? And by other accounts, well, no such title would have ever gone to a woman. There's certainly no record that has endured the war and the hundred years that followed, verifying exactly what status she had. But undoubtedly, she had the care and devotion of her soldiers. Those things that often followed official titles, followed her. Entirely from her own merit. So, perhaps it did not bother her. On the other hand, her brothers were ranked men a general and a major, respectively. Perhaps it did bother her that those who were equal to her in bloodline, capacity, and perhaps deed, were celebrated so formally. Now, I say perhaps deed because it has been hard for me to trace any record of their accomplishments independent of her. Whereas Nana Issa had three major battles won, And a capital city beneath her feet. The U.S. Senate ratified the treaty with Spain on the sixth day of February, 1899, which was sooner than some had expected, given how long some things can take in the U.S. government. But perhaps this was too appealing to pass up on or delay. After all, they needed that formal ratification before General Marcus P. Miller, or any U.S. general, could strike against the Filipinos in earnest. Now, that is not to say that U.S. forces did not make their presence known as they waited outside of Ilo Ilo City. Quite the contrary. General Miller had made demands, but he had not fired. And although a couple skirmishes had broken out between the two sides, no actual fighting took place. Threats were issued by General Miller. Demands were made, then ignored, and yet there was still nothing. Not until General Miller received word that it was really time for the battle to begin. In the meantime, there was fear and panic as the standoff made itself readily apparent. Businesses shuddered, bribes for safety were had all around, and riots seemed just on the horizon, with so many payments to soldiers being delayed for so long. But nothing could be done about it right then. Hastily procure what you need, and nothing more. That seemed to be the unofficial mantra. At least, at first. And then time went on, and soon there was even talk of burning the city to the ground just to ensure it did not fall into foreign hands again. That was... not summarily rejected. But it would not be the official stance. This was a part of the delicate balance that needed to be kept, before the fighting started in earnest. And it would start in earnest. The issue was when. U.S. forces fired the first shot on February 11th. Teresa Magbanwa was still in the city, and together with General Martin Delgado, she took to work on its defense except well except this defense was not what you might think u.s forces had distance weapons cannons long-range guns etc etc it was what they had needed for their war with spain and it was the sort of technology that was in vogue at the time You might want to say, if you can forgive the adaptation of such a phrase to this context. U.S. forces had the sort of weapons that let them fight the battle far away from the reaches of bolo knives and the other short-range combat tactics that Filipino forces specialized in. And this made all the difference. Defenses were still being laid out. Trenches were being dug as the first shots were fired, and troops were left scrambling back towards the city. At 9 o'clock, the shelling started. Shots were being sent out over homes, almost as a warning of what was to come should Filipino forces not surrender. In many ways, this was the same message they had always gotten that there would be worse to come without cooperation. When the firing started, a panic took hold over some. Buildings were damaged and storefronts were looted simply for the sake of it. Foreign properties and belongings were also damaged if not outright burned to the ground. And perhaps that's why this seemed worth noting at all. Economics might have certainly been the reason why Iloilo City was sought after so soon after US forces were able to fight. The other was a tactical advantage, you could say. Iloilo City was symbolically important, so of course it had to be taken away. The firing stopped at one o'clock in the afternoon only for the deployment of 1,000 men willing to lead the way. But what they found was a city in panic and not ready to fight, and all those who were a part of the rebellion had fled. With intentions to regroup or to flee outright, General Miller wasn't sure, but he had to find out. So he appointed some men to stand guard and restore order in the city while he went to find his enemy. And he did, on a road outside of the city, which led to a small skirmish again, and a retreat by the Filipinos who would fight another day, a day when they weren't caught off guard and sent running from an enemy they could not reach in order to fight. And where was Teresa Magbanwa during this? In an episode of a series about her. I should have an answer, right? Well, I don't. The accounts of the day I was able to find have completely omitted her. They were the records of foreign eyewitnesses who would not have cared who she was exactly. They would have only seen her as a woman, unworthy of their consideration. Maybe they even assumed she was General Delgado's wife, or something akin to that. Just a woman following her husband because it seemed like the safer thing, Or her duty. That would have explained why she was around and why people respected her like they did. That was probably enough for them. But you and I know that's not true. We know that Teresa McBonwa was so much more than what they would have called an ordinary woman. But if history is told by the winners, as they say, or agents the winners have approved of, and delegated to speak, then of course the stories that live on will be tailored accordingly. It's not just how things are expressed, but what gets expressed. In this case, the tale of a folk hero was almost lost, but will forever be incomplete. Maybe there is something merciful about it though, that her name is not attached to the fall of what she built up. Or at least, not yet. This has been a production of Miscellany Media Studios, with music licensed from the Sounds Like an Earful music supply. Thanks for listening. Find more information about all of our shows at miscellanymedia.online or follow us on Twitter at miscellanymedia for updates on current and future projects.